Welcome in to the Fantasy Tilt Podcast. Here are your hosts, Keaton Denley and Nate Hamilton. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Tilt Podcast. I'm your host, Keaton Denley, joined as always by my favorite analyst, Nate Hamilton. How are you doing tonight, Nate? I'm doing good, Keaton. You just made me smile. Yeah, I've been sick for uh, going on two weeks now. Um, but, uh, you know, when you say my favorite analyst, Nate Hamilton, you put a smile on my face. So I'm feeling a lot better already. Thanks. Good. That was, that was just for you. All of our <laughs> listeners know, know who my real favorite analyst is. Right. But yeah, but I can make you smile. Nate. <laughs> well, we, we are back following week four of the, uh, the NFL season. Uh, you know, and a few weeks ago we had talked about, you kind of want to see three, four weeks of yeah. starting to figure out the trends, how things are going players on the upswing, teams on the downswing, all that stuff. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to talk about our stoplight situations, stoplight players. Is the light red on this player? Full stop, bail. Is it yellow? Well, let's see how it goes a little bit longer. Or is it green? All systems go uh, for that situation, that player, that backfield, whatever the case may be. So we'll get into our stoplight conversations in a little bit. First thing we're going to do is talk about the news. And perhaps the biggest story in the NFL recently has been to a quarterback from Miami Dolphins had an injury that is questionable. Some people weren't really sure what was wrong with him. He's saying back the team saying it's his ankle. He apparently passes concussion protocol plays yeah. on a short week, takes another hit that to be honest, it's being called a huge hit. I don't know. They got hit all that hard. It's a little bit of an awkward kind of whiplash landing. Whiplash but, of the head on the turf, yeah, that's but for sure. Messed him up. He's got mm. he had neurological problems from that one. You can tell by looking at his hands. A yep. brutal hit. I wouldn't Scary. recommend people looking it up if you didn't see it. Um, but it just the, the effect it had on him, right? Was was the brutal part. But uh he was managed to travel with the team. Um, obviously now they're going through a full investigation on whether or not he should have been out there and all that stuff. Yeah. Um Nate, what are we doing with this? it's unfortunate. I mean, obviously we're already hearing, I don't think he's going to be playing week five. So that's, that's good. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, health comes first. He's a very talented player. We don't want, even if he wasn't like, we just don't want to see, uh, you know, somebody affected long-term uh, from a health perspective uh, playing this game when you can avoid these things. Right. Um, you know, I, I just I still can't believe he was thrown back into that Bills game and he's he performed, you know, continued to perform against the Bills. But he, of course, a player is going to say whatever they can to stay on the field. His excuse was, no, my my back tweaked out. You look at that and you can clearly see like he was dazed, like he couldn't mm -hmm. stand. He got back up, started walking three steps and then he stumbled. And this, this, that was very scary to watch. And I was like, yeah, he's concussed. He's going to be out. But nope, sure enough, they let him back in. So, you know, this is from ESPN. <clears throat> says the unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant. And I love how they love pointing out that he was, this person was mm -hmm. unaffiliated with the team, right? To, to, to save their butts. But, you know, if you're using this person to me, you're affiliating them with your club. So I, I, I 
first of all, I already have a problem with this statement. Right. Uh, the unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant involved in clearing Tua during week three's matchup uh, versus the Bills has been fired after it was found that he made several mistakes in his evaluation, according to ESPN and multiple sources. Yikes. So, okay, fine, great. Fire the guy that took a look at him. But we're talking about billion-dollar industries, you know, billion-dollar, uh, you know, organizations where they took the word of one unaffiliated consultant, uh, whether or not he was okay to go back in the game. They didn't want to, I don't know, have three or four people take a look at him or maybe have someone that's affiliated that they trust. And they, they I mean, this still, to me, goes 100% onto the Miami Dolphins. And they could try to deflect as much as they, they can. But this is just a, a nightmare of a situation, uh, I think, for the organization. And I'm hope I'm hoping that they're called out for it and that this isn't the end of, oh, you know, it was just some guy. We already fired him, so everything's good to go going forward. I, I, I hope that the, the league investigates this and, and takes a closer look. And um, it, it's sad to see because, you know, I think this could have been avoided if it was a concussion that time against the Bills, then uh, I think I think Tua probably would have been held out of that game uh, in week four, and that would have never happened. So, but here we are. Right. You know, if nothing else, because that happened on an island spot in prime time, it's such a big story now. I hope that at some point players, particularly at that position, where maybe they have more career longevity than the other positions, start to think, more long term, um, you know, some of these players that put themselves in those spots, like it wasn't a head injury, but Justin Herbert playing out the rest of that game against the Chiefs, like, yeah, yeah, you are hurt, like, you're not going to come back and you're down two scores, like, just mail it in, live to fight another day. These players need to be taking some responsibility for themselves. Yeah, I agree. Um, obviously, I mean, you have team physicians, you have these experts, neurological experts that may be able to help the player understand what they're really facing. It's like, no, you did just get your bell rung. Like this is a problem, but the players need to take some of that ownership on themselves. So this is on the team. This is on uh, the player. This is on the NFL's unaffiliated neurological expert, all that stuff. Um, we do have to bring this back to fantasy football for a little bit. Of course. I, I think it was a done deal that two was going to be out for a week. At least yeah. Th- there yeah. was no way, even if he passes all the protocols and everything else, they, they have to give him that extra time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Teddy Bridgewater looked okay. Decent, I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't think that that Tua is some otherworldly talent either. I, I think that he's replaceable level guy. You know, he, I agree. he's he's accurate. He you know makes the correct decisions, but Teddy Bridgewater can do that. Like, well, how is that not <laughs> a description right. of what Teddy Bridgewater can do? Right. Um, so I think with those weapons, I think this team's going to be okay. Uh, you you know you have to dial it back a little bit. Obviously, you're not using Tua, but if you've got Waddle and Tyree Kill, you still hope one of those guys is the one that goes off for 115 that week because it seems like it's going to be one of them. Um, so you're probably okay there. Maybe uh, maybe the running game suffers a little bit because the offense isn't quite clicking on all cylinders. You don't have the same scoring opportunities. But I think you know, 85 percent Miami Dolphins. I, yeah, still pretty I good mean, for the pass catchers. Absolutely. You know, I th- I think um, so. I wouldn't shy away from waddle or 
Tyreek Hill. Like, you're not, I'm not shying away from any of the guys with Bridgewater in there. I think that he's a good backup quarterback. He's serviceable. He's someone that can keep the team afloat while the starter's out, much like Cooper Rush with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I so, love yeah, the transition. Why aren't you the host of this show? Uh, <laughs> Why am I doing this? I, I, you know, blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Cooper Rush has been more than serviceable as a as a backup quarterback. Is he a fantasy stud superstar? No, no. But he doesn't have to be. He's a backup quarterback in the NFL. And remember that that website we were talking about with the initials, you know, NBC. Yes. Yes. Um, are, to say that he was uh, not a viable backup for any extended period of time, I was on this show saying, hey, this guy's more than capable of going 500, maybe losing one more game than he wins. Keep him afloat until Dak gets back. Cooper Rush is 3-0 and this season as a starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. How many games has Dak won this season? Zero. It's zero. <laughs> it's zero. Uh, yeah. And you know what also is zero? The number of times they've turned the ball over with Cooper Rush at quarterback. Yeah. The Dallas Cowboys have to be stoked. I know that Jerry Jones is acting like, oh, maybe we'll have a quarterback controversy just because he loves the attention and to mm. up all this drama. That's not happening. But it does give them the option to let Dak maybe make it through the bye week or sit an extra week just to get right. Because apparently he, he still can't grip a football. There's no reason to rush him right. back when the team's right. three and one and they're doing okay. Um, the defense, like you, you mentioned off the air, the defense is playing great. They can yeah, still yeah. run the ball. Just don't screw it up, Cooper Rush. And, and he hasn't. He doesn't give them any in, inclination that he's going to. Yeah. Just just keep it rolling. They've got that winnable division like we talked about. Cooper Rush, man, I, I think that's a great story. I, I just love it from a, a person story this, this year. Yeah, I mean... You know, look, I'm a Cowboys fan. I think the you know secrets out of the bag. It's been it's been out of the bag for about ten years now. Mm -hmm. But you know, am I ecstatic that Cooper Rush is the quarterback for the Cowboys and they're winning football games? No to the first part. Yes to you know. Let's let's keep winning. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I do want Dak back as possible because I know how amazing of a quarterback he is. Um, and you know they did have a tough week one matchup. So I'm not even going to put that on deck, uh, you know, in week one, but it, here's my takeaway from all of this is, you know, as soon as Dak goes down with injury, it's like panic in, in, uh, you know, in Dallas and, and Jerry Jones is saying, well, well, I mean, you know, he, he's going to have a quick surgery and he could be playing week four. You know, he's trying to get him back in before we see what even happens with the team. Oh, he could be back uh, week four. And then all of a sudden, Cowboys 3-0 under Cooper Rush. And all of a sudden, Jerry Jones is in no rush whatsoever to get Dak back. He says, mm -hmm. so all of a sudden now he's not ready to throw a football. So talk about NBC. <clears throat> they tweeted out um, earlier today. Uh, this is from Jerry says, Prescott with a thumb still can't grip a football from, from Jerry, from Jerry Jones. Yep. And, and I kind of, I quote tweeted it and kind of reworded what it really means. So I said, Jerry Prescott thumb will grip the football following the Cowboys first loss under Cooper rush. <laughs> so yeah. I, I think, I think this Dak gripping issue will probably last as long as this winning streak will. 
last, which I'm thinking after this week when they face the Rams, uh, this is probably going to be a loss, making them three and two, which then will begin the process of rushing Dak Prescott back uh, week six after that. I was just going to say, I bet he comes back for the Eagles game whenever that is. And mm. guess when it is? It's week six. Oh, see, there you go. And that's so maybe that's when we see him back because that's a big game for for the division potentially. And it's a rematch um, of week one. Yeah. So um, that that may be the one that we that we see Dak back. Hopefully they give him enough time and he's ready to go when he does come back. And then and then it's wheels up for all of your CD Lamb shares and all that. Uh, gallops back. You know they they should be firing if uh, Dak gives himself enough time to come back. So the energy's been pretty high this podcast so far. We we got some news stories out there that are a little controversial, a little exciting. Um, but let's go ahead and get tilted. So, honey, what are you going to rant about today? Worst day of my life. What do you think? Don't interrupt. It grinds my gears when you do that. You have to do better than this. Tell him, McCluskey. Tell him what time it is. You don't wait that long. The meatloaf. We want it now. The meatloaf. That's, that's what our show is. Okay, Nate, off the air. I said I'd let you go first. Go ahead and get tilted. All right, buddy. So, uh, well, first of all, the there I, I made a mistake. It's not a rematch of Week One between the Cowboys and the, and the Eagles. Uh, it, the, it was the Buccaneers that they lost against in Week One. Gotcha. W- wanted to correct that, but let me get into my tilt because I wasn't even going to be irritated about this fantasy loss unless my friend didn't text me. Okay. So my friend, and and I'm going to put friend in quotes this week. Okay. Uh, He's also the commissioner uh, to one of uh, the leagues I'm in. Um, And he kind of gave me the commentator's curse this weekend. All right. Okay. Yeah. My opponent that I was facing had 127 points prior to the Sunday night football game. I had 184 points. Oh, I was up, you won this game. Oh, this God, week, I was right? up 57 points before Sunday Night Football. And again, my friend, in quotes, mm-hmm. texted me to congratulate me on being the only team in his league to be undefeated heading into week five. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Hey, and it, and I'll tell you what, life gets busy. I've got a kid where, you know, I got family. I'm I'm I'm, I'm not. As much as I'm into football, I'm not always hovering around watching every single league that I'm in and and tracking everything. I've, over the years, have learned there's nothing I can do while the games are going on. As much as we'd like to think there is, right? I know, I know. Trust me, I enjoy watching it. I know the players I have. I know when they score, things are good. Trust me, I know all that stuff. However, and you're, you had a huge lead. Why would you be following this one super close? You, right. this was in well, the back. Also, honest to God, I didn't even know what kind of lead I had until my friend said this to me. Then I checked in because I sent him a wink and a thumbs up thinking, oh, well, I must have won my matchup. So anyways, shortly after that text, the Sunday Night Football began, right? And, and Sunday Night Football was, if you guys don't remember, 41 to 31, I believe, the Kansas City Chiefs against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So a slobber knocker of scoring. Mm-hmm. My opponent would go on to get 9.6 from Juju. Not bad. Mm-hmm. 24.2 from Travis Kelsey. Uh-oh. 
and 30.3 from Mike Evans, totaling 64.1 points. Now remember, I was up by 57 points. He took a seven-point lead going into Monday Night Football. Now it's still not over. I had Brandon Ayuk. He had Jeff Wilson. Mm -hmm. I suffered my first loss. And what I'm really tilted about is not even the loss. Is that I can't help but think my quote, quote, friend texted me an early congrats on purpose to sabotage me. Okay. Yeah. This is what I think happened. I think he used the, the whole reverse psychology thing because he has one loss on the year and he didn't want me to be the only undefeated team in the league. He still wanted to be in the running. And that's really what has me on tilt. He, he texts me, he said, congratulations. He gave me the old curse. And honestly, I've, I've, I've reached the point because of this, that I am not looking at texts from anyone going forward until I know (laughs) I've won my matchup. So that is my tilt this week. Damn you for texting me and, and, and congratulating me on a win that I lost. That's the worst because we, we all know that you don't victory lap early right, on, right. on a week-to-week week basis, right? If, if Season long, if your players are doing well for the first three weeks, by all means, victory lap all you want. But yeah. as far as your weekly matchup, until it's done and you've cleared the like stat corrections, like you say nothing. Uh-huh. You say absolutely nothing because we all know fantasy tilts happen. Those stat corrections will get you too if, if you aren't, aren't too careful. But that he victory lapped for you and it still got you is the worst part yeah. of that. And, and, the, and the truth is, I know him very well. Um, and he totally did that on purpose. Knowing him, I, I he was like, I got to do something. I'm desperate. Oh, Nate, congratulations. Because he's done it in the past where when we've gone head to head, he's mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I can't believe I'm losing to you. I was projected to win. Congratulations. I'm like, dude, we still have like five players going. Stop. And then he ends up winning, you know, it's like, right. Yeah. This is nothing new. And so that's why it's like, thanks a lot for just ruining my afternoon. That's great. Um, so my tilt this week was almost going to be a positive tilt. Um, I, I sent you a text, you know, my dynasty leagues yeah. are doing pretty good. Um, I, I made a trade this last week. I traded away uh Traylon Burks and in, in mm. part of the package, I got Brian Robinson back. Burks gets injured. Robinson's on his way back. Like I was, ah, I was feeling it. Like this is a yes. good, this was a good week for me, at least on, in my dynasty leagues. So I almost had a, a positive tilt. Cause you start feeling like I'm unbeatable. Like I'm the trade God. Like this is, I could see the future. A rare positive tilt. That would have been something. That was almost going to be it. <laughs> and then I got on Twitter today. Oh boy. Don't get on social media when you're in a good mood. Cause there's nothing better on social media than, than what's going on in your head. Just yes. stay off of it altogether. But I'm going through I'm going through Twitter and I see the headline that McDonald's has brought Happy Meal toys for adults. Like they're coming out with Happy Meal toys for adults. I'm like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. Like I, my fancy teams are doing good. Happy Meal toys for adults. Like, yes, like I get yeah. like a Big Mac or like 10 McNuggets in this deal. And then I see, click on it and see the pictures. Oh, God, no. What are these monstrosities? If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, Happy Meal toys for adults, obviously from McDonald's, 
they're like flea market grimace. Grimace is a like I don't even know how to describe him, right? But now he's got four eyes, and and that's like the toy I'm supposed to be collecting. What? There's not even like a Ronald McDonald in there. It's like this buddy thing. It looks like that doll from that, um, gosh, what is that, like, sock, the burlap doll from, like, the horror movie or video game thing or yeah. whatever? Yeah, I just Googled this, so thanks for doing this. Is um, it not bizarre? Like, so Do they I, have, like, double eyes? What's happening? I, I It's it's totally bizarre, and I know that you and I are totally going to, like, paint ourselves into this corner of not being yeah. cultured or, like, yeah, yeah. being too old for this or something. Right. right. But what the hell is that? It's it's nightmare fuel is what it is, and it's supposed to be like a collectible for adults. No, no, no. Like McDonald's, g- give me like collectible coasters in my adult Happy Meal, like <laughs> you know. So I don't know what those toys are all about, but like un- unrelated to this, which is actually kind of funny. My I was trying to explain McDonald's characters to my daughter. She's six, yeah. and I was trying to explain like when we were kids, like Mayor McCheese and the Hamburglar, and I was yeah, explaining all course. this stuff to her. But I got to grimace. And you want to feel like an idiot, try to explain Grimace to somebody. A purple blob. <laughs> right. Like, why, though? Like, my, my daughter goes, why? I, I don't know. Like, but we thought it was cool when I was your age. Like, right. I wanted a Grimace little Happy Meal toy. But I don't want this Grimace Happy Meal toy. Why does he have four eyes? I don't get it at all. It's apparently like Flea Market Grimace. No. Why is he a Flea Market? I don't I don't understand this at all. It's. That's what's got it, me on tilt. It messes with my eyes. Like, I feel like I'm cross-eyed looking at it. You know, I'm seeing double kind of thing. Right. It, and, you know, to make it, first of all, um, I'm sorry that you were going to have a positive tilt and it turned into this kind of tilt. But you know what? That's good for hashtag brand. So that's that's okay. <laughs> right. But, but you're not the only one to say this because I just pulled up an article. It says McDonald's first Happy Meal toys for adults are really ugly. That's the title. <laughs> that's the title. Right. And yeah, hey, everyone that's listening to this right now, you have to Google this because I don't know what's happening. I I honestly have, have no idea. And I've had somebody try to explain it to me. Apparently, it's like a company started by like a district court judge mm. or something like that that is a flea market. I, it, I don't it know. Looks, I'm sorry. I'm way like, out of the loop. It looks like I a guess. company started by a four year old. That's what it looks like. Like four-year-old drawings that they made into little action figures. Like, this is what you've got for us, McDonald's? We've been wanting adult Happy Meal toys (laughs) forever. Give me a reusable straw or something. Yeah, (laughs) or a tumbler or something. Like, like if you upgrade that thing and you get a take-home, you know, tumbler for your drinks. Something. See, now now we're on to something. We get a reusable straw, we've got a tumbler, and coasters. Boom. Those can be the three collectibles. That's all I want in my adult Happy Meal toy. <laughs> we are old, you and I. We're 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 dads. I'm sure we're missing something here, but I'm with you 100. I do not want one of those things in my house. I feel like it would curse whatever room I put it in. Totally bizarre, but that is gonna that is gonna wrap up the tilts, and we will now get into our our traffic light discussion, which is actually what something we've been pretty excited about. We were gonna do this on last week's show. Um, Nate, obviously being out that week with, with an illness, we carried it over. I, I'm happy to say that some of the trends that I spotted, red light, green light, yellow light, actually mm. carried forward. I, I wasn't incorrect. I wasn't proven wrong by the next week of games. So beautiful. I'm, I'm going to get started with these. I'm going to, I'm going to start first, if you don't mind. Please. No, absolutely. Go right ahead. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to start with the stop. I'm going to start with a red light here. Okay. 
the Chicago Bears offense. It is a full stop. Like, stop, get out the car, and run the other direction. Like, you don't want to be anywhere near this thing because it's it's going to blow up and not in a positive way. This is an absolute train wreck of a stop. And I, I don't want to put this in perspective for you guys. If I told you that somebody was averaging eight and a half for 117 and half of a touchdown, you'd think that's a pretty damn good wide receiver. That's like peak Antonio Brown, eight and a half for 117 a game and half a touchdown. Except that is the combined stats for the Chicago Bears wide receivers through four weeks. Oh They're averaging eight and a half receptions a game, 117 yards and half a touchdown. So that's that means that's actually Justin Fields' numbers. He's averaging eight and a half completions, 117 yards, and half a touchdown through four weeks. That's week, disgusting. Week one, I'll write that off. Week one, monsoon, horrible weather. Okay, they'll figure it out. They'll get going here. It's been almost a quarter of the season, mm. and it is still this bad. And, and the worst part is, in, in week two, seven completions for 70 yards and an interception. They were trailing 24 to 7 at the half. You can't even explain that one away by saying, oh, well, they want to ground and pound. They want to play defense. <laughs> right, no, right. You're down 17 at the half. Throw it. Like, That's when you abandon the run game and just throw. Right. You're going to lose the game anyway. You might as well just let this quarterback do his thing. And it's not just, it's not even just Justin Fields, it's everybody. They're leading wide receiver. Darnell Mooney is averaging 30 yards per game. It's just, it's terrible. His 400, Justin Fields is 471 passing yards on the season. It's 32nd in the league. Yeah. 32nd in the league. There are players like Jimmy Garoppolo who haven't even played the full slate. Cooper Rush hasn't even played the full slate that have more passing yards than that. It's it's really bad. What's and his passing yards again? 471 passing yards through four games. Wow. It's, I mean, some there are some guys in the league that put that up in a game. In one game, right, exactly. Five quarters they could do that. Yeah. And I'm not asking him to be that, but you should be able to get 220, 225, 230 <laughs> yes. yeah. on average. A like, game, right. Please, Davis Mills is averaging 110 uh, passing yards more than Justin Fields is per game. That's almost double what Justin Fields is doing, and it's Davis Mills. And it doesn't it doesn't stop there. It's not just the passing game. If you try to invest and figure out this running back situation going forward, they're leading rusher week by week. It was Herbert, then it was Montgomery, then it was Herbert again, and then week four it was almost Justin Fields. Yeah, it, just run away as quickly as you can from Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney. You don't want any part of this, even if you have the running backs. I don't know that you know which one it's going to be once Montgomery comes back, which one's going to be that fit that game script or whatever this coaching staff is doing. Red light, Chicago Bears, all of them. Good one. I, you know what? And I think what I'll do is I'll continue on with the red lights then. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> this one for me pains me to say it's Najee Harris. Oh, yeah, this is a tough yeah. one. So I had high hopes for Najee, but it appears like, He's just he's not worth the draft out the draft value that we spent on him this season mm -hmm. through four weeks. He is the RB 26 in PPR formats. He's coming off his best rushing total of just 74 yards. Prior to that, his highest was 56, right? Mm -hmm. 
He's got one rushing touchdown on the season and failed to get a single target from Kenny Pickett last week, which up to this point has his involvement in the passing game was his practically his only positive thing going on for him. Right. Now, am I saying he's a bum? No. I mean, he, he'll have some. He might games. be, though. He might be. It's, it's true. He, he's too talented, though. I, th- I think that he'll have some games. But what I'm saying is that we could expect more of these meh type performances um, to, you know, the type of games where he's just going to end up with nine points, maybe 10 points if we're talking PPR. Um, but the truth is the Steelers, they, they haven't been lighting up the scoreboard. Um, and they have a very tough schedule coming up against the Bills, Bucks, Dolphins, Eagles, Bengals, and Saints. If somehow Najee Harris is able to put up a, a decent game against any of these guys, any of these matchups, you sell him right away as soon as it happens. Because honestly, he's he's just... Ugh. He's he's to me he has been the most disappointing um, fantasy player this entire season. Yeah, I think that's fair. Obviously, people had really high hopes for him. I don't know if this is injury related or what, but it's hard to blame it entirely on that because mm. you have a player whose career yards per carry is three point eight. It's not like he was great last year, and it's just the circumstances or the injury. He was reliant on volume, and with the offense in transition, quarterback change. Maybe maybe the opportunities just aren't going to be there for him. That's a tough deal. Um, yeah, if you could, if you could sell him on name value, I well I would everything was there for him, that. right? Everything was there where he was amazing last year with the volume. He showed that he could put the team on his back, um, and and, and you know be productive in that offense. And you know they head into this season with Mitch Trubisky as the quarterback, and you know I know Kenny Pickett. He's he's officially turned over, and it's and it's only one game, but the scary part is that he did not target Najee one time, and that just kills you for PPR purposes. So I'm I'm very concerned about him going forward. And as I said, the slate of games coming up, I believe there's six in a row where it's really difficult uh, for running backs to 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 do anything. Uh, I. I if he can put together one good game, you find the highest buyer and, and you sell him quickly. Cause I just, I think this is what we're going to see. He, he might even end up being the RB 26 by the end of the year. Yikes. Yeah. That, that's hard to imagine when we're sitting in our redraft leagues and he's going in the first round and then yep. you end up, you, you end up where we're at. It's, it's been a weird season. Um, I'm going to stick with the red theme. I'll do one more red here. Um, sure. and, and this is going to be Antonio Gibson. Just get out. I don't, even know, I don't even know if you can at this point. I, I think you're probably stuck hoping something turns around for him. But, man, a- Antonio Gibson, so through four weeks, uh, his his rushing stats, well, week one wasn't so bad. He had uh, 14 carries, 58 yards, but then he had seven receptions for 74 yards or 72 yards. So, you know, he got it done for fantasy purposes, especially in a PPR league. That's great. Uh, the next week, 14 for 28, uh, and then – two for 13 in the receiving game, but he scored a touchdown. Okay. okay. We survived because we got, we got a touchdown. That, that's pretty good. Uh, you get to week three scores, another touchdown, but his receiving goes down again. He had one reception for two yards that week. It's like, man, that, that's barely breaking double digits there, but at least you got another touchdown. You're maybe doing okay. 
And then this last week, 13 carries, 49 yards, and then three receptions for 14 yards. And he should be the only show in town. We talked about Brian Robinson being out. But now, you know, if you look at Antonio Gibson's stats, they've been getting worse every week. He's been bailed out by touchdowns two of those weeks. And now the team's talking about Brian Robinson, like ready to make a recovery, ready to come off of off of the IR to play. Yeah. Um, and I, I think this is a problem for a, a couple reasons. One, Antonio Gibson's not getting the job done on his own. He, he needs somebody else. The other really concerning thing is that a lot of his stats so far have come from two touchdowns. Those touchdowns were one yard touchdown runs. Mm. If Brian Robinson's back, who do you think is getting that one yard touchdown attempt, one yard rushing attempt? It, it's, it's it's not Robinson. Antonio Gibson. No, Th- these guys are they're roughly the same size. They're both over, over six foot two twenty two twenty five, but they are very different players. Antonio Gibson was a slot receiver basically at Memphis, where Brian Robinson was a bruiser from the SEC. These are two very different guys, and if Antonio Gibson starts losing the goal line work, which is really one of the only things that's been saving him so far. Uh, full red light. I, I don't know what you're going to get for Antonio Gibson at this point because I think everybody sees the writing on the wall. But man, don't don't be counting on him going forward. You need to make other plans. Yeah, I mean that's a good call too. And unfortunately, <laughs> in the league I have uh, Najee Harris. Harris, I have uh, Cordell Parison who just went down and he's on the IR. Mm-hmm. And my my only saving grace in on my bench is Antonio Gibson. I'm so, sorry. Yeah, I'm hurting. I'm hurting for sure. So that's 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 a good call. Uh, let's let's can we lighten this up a little bit because I'm getting a little. Uh, let's let's confused. move to yellow. We'll, we'll try to make it a little more positive. <laughs> yeah, we'll trend upward the rest of the show. Yeah, a little little sunlight here. I guess I'll start off with the with the yellow. Sure. <clears throat> it's someone that I, I felt prior to the season was super overhyped. Um, you know, coming in as a rookie, and it's Damian Pierce, someone that I'm I'm kind of turning. A little bit on but i knew he was gonna need a little bit of time before he you know because we we did see the flashes in the preseason and and, and he, how he could potentially be the best player on the texans True. um so but it, it, to be honest up to this point like everyone wrote off including myself wrote off the houston texans but surprisingly through the first four weeks they've been pretty competitive they yeah. tied in week one they lost to the Broncos by a touchdown in week two. They lost by a field goal in week three, and they kept pace last week with Austin Eckler's three touchdowns and the Chargers. Um, you know, they ended up losing by 10, but, you know, 34-24, that's, that's somewhat in the game. Uh, yeah, they're, they're winless, but they've made it respectable at least. Right, especially for a team that was essentially the laughing stock heading into this. But what's good about this trend that i'm seeing is that it's good for the run game if you're if you're competitive on the field then there's no reason for you to abandon the the run so damian pierce he started slow uh but now he's put together you know back-to-back fantasy friendly games there's no doubt for me that he's one of the best players on that team as long as they continue to stay close you know pierce has a shot of being a fantasy winner now here's where you know the yellow light comes into play and 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 the problem that i have is that (laughs) not everything's sunshine and roses and we are still talking about the texans they are not the best well put together team and they have a lot of improving to do and they do have some very difficult matchups 
coming up on, on the horizon. So as good as Pierce is, he can be worked out of a game script like that once things go south for the Texans. So, you know, it, it's it's proceed with with caution, which is yeah. another, you know, yellow caution, everything slow down on them a little bit. Um, but, you know, just don't be surprised if the Texans really start falling apart. And and that honestly just right steaming Pierce right out of it as well. So um, I'm liking what I'm seeing from him. Um, but let, let's hope that the, the Texans can continue staying in these games because that's the only way I think Pierce stays relevant. I think that's a really good yellow light because if you just glance at the stats real quick, it's like, from, especially from this last week, it's like, wow, this is incredible. This yeah. Look at this guy. He had six receptions. He had 131 rushing yards. Like, let's go. Like, six hold, receptions hold for eight yards. Yeah, yeah. There's the yellow. It's like, wait a minute. Okay, and, and his 131 rushing yards. You don't want to take away big plays from players, but he had a 75-yard rushing touchdown. Like, mm. you take that away, and then it's 13 for 56 with eight yards receiving. Exactly. And it's sort of a meh week. Like, he's he, he was the only running back on the team to get carries, only player on the team to get carries. Um, but, yeah, there's a little bit of yellow in there. It's it's a little bit of that asterisk, like, hey, good job, but... There's a little, little bit more to that there's still, one. There's still some something to, to worry about uh, for sure. My my yellow light is going to be one of those situations where it's sort of like, eh, also. <laughs> nice. But I, I do think it's a it's a more stable situation than people maybe hope or, or maybe that people um, would expect. And it's going to be the Buffalo Bills rushing attack, just, mm. just in general. I, I know that there's a lot of people who – are still these Zach Moss truthers. They believe that he's somehow going to break out or um, James Cook, like he's going to come in and be the guy. Um, It's just not going to change. We're going to keep getting what we're getting out of this backfield. Um, Devin Singletary's he's getting it done. I mean, he's, he's not done anything to lose this job. Um, He he leads the team so far through four weeks. He's got 34 attempts. Uh, The next closest on the team is Moss with 16. Uh, Cook had thir- has had 13 on the season so far. Most of them came in that blowout win against the Titans. Um, so sort of that Isaiah uh, Pacheco thing we saw from a couple weeks ago. Yep. Don't worry about those stats. I'm just writing off James Cook at this point of the season, particularly for redraft. Obviously, Dynasty, James Cook has his, has his place over there, right? Um, but that that's not our lane. We're going to stay in our lane here. Singletary's the guy. Um, he might not be a fantasy superstar, He's going to get the job done. He's going to get points. He's actually second on this team in receptions. He's third on the team in receiving yards, and he's leading the team by a wide margin in carries. He's the lead running back on a good offense. Is he great? No, but he's going to be consistent. He's going to get the job done for you. That's why it's a yellow light for me. Yeah, I mean, that's a good one. You know what this team reminds me a lot of? The Kansas City Chiefs and why I was so down on their rushing attack because guess what? They don't need to run the ball to win football games. Yeah. That's just not how they're built. They have that both teams have two of the best, if not the best quarterbacks in the game right now that can be mobile when they have to make, you know, unconventional plays and throw sidearmed and do all these weird basketball shot, you know, passes and things. Now, Clyde Edwards, Edwards, Hilaire, is starting to get 
involved in the passing game, at least for the Kansas City Chiefs. But he ranks, I think he's like the 26th ranked um, running back as far as rushing yards go. So, mm-hmm. again, they're not – It's oh, he's 24th right now, 208 rushing yards on the season. So they are not purposely scripting like, hey, we're going to run the ball the first – you know, two plays of every down and it just doesn't happen as often. So this is, this is a good one. I know I'm talking a lot about Kansas city, but you know, to your point in the Buffalo bills, it's, it just reminds me a lot of, of that team. So they're, they're built similar. They're, they're yeah. going to, they're going to outscore you and that, that's how they're going to get to get it done. Yeah, for sure. So that's, that's a, that's a good one because um, I honestly, I have not been interested in the bills uh, rushing attack at all. Great. Are we ready for the green lights? Can we, can we get? Positive? Yeah. Let's let's get let's let's end it on a on a good note. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm going to start with mine, and this okay. is sort of a mm, it's a muted green. It, it's it's still green, but somebody's like, mm, is that chartreuse? You know, like yeah. I, you know, it, it's one of those colors. that's in between, but I I think it's green, and and the reason I'm saying it's green is because it's it's trending in a positive direction. Okay. It's not good. it's not great right now, but it's getting there, and and I think that it will get there on a time frame that fits. The redraft season here. Um, actually, I can't even believe I'm going to say this. Cam Akers gets a green light from me. Wow! And, and and here's and here's part of it. He is free. If you want yeah. to go trade and get Cam Akers right now, you, you you the only thing you can do is profit. You cannot lose on this investment because you're not giving up anything for him. He's somebody's going to try to just get him off of their roster because they're so sick of him at this point. But if you look at the trends, it's actually pretty positive so he got dragged in the, in the preseason by his coach they need he needs to show more initiative he needs to run with with purpose all that yeah. stuff and then he comes out week one and has zero yards on three carries that's the bottom of the barrel that was red it could only go up from there and i, and I believe it has uh so since week one he has led the team in carries for three straight weeks you, you don't take as a coaching staff a player that you think is awful in the preseason that you're trying to motivate that lays an egg week one and then let him lead the team in carries going forward. I think that the Rams know this is their best shot. Like he is the most talented running back on that team. And I think that he will get the opportunity to, and he's been getting it Uh, week two. He had 15 carries for 44 yards and two receptions for 18 yards. Um, Still not great. 2.9 yards per carry, but he went from zero to (laughs) 2.9. So again, that trend's moving up the next week, 12 carries 61 yards and a touchdown. Okay, now we're talking, right? Double-digit fantasy points, 5.1 yards per carry. Um, and this is when I kind of put this down. This is when I gave him the green light. This is moving in a positive direction. And then the San Francisco 49ers took their lunch. I mean, there, there's nothing else to say about that game. They, they, just got, they just got it handed to them. It's a bad game. It happens. Right. But Akers still led the team in carries. So I'm taking the positive bit out of that. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's going to be a green light going forward. I would use this as another buy low window. Somebody's probably was thinking, hey, it's good. It's turning around. Acres is going to be the next best thing. They put him back in their lineup as a flex. They were trusting him again, and he laid another egg. Target that owner. Trade for him. This is this guy is in the makings of one of those players that wins you leagues down the stretch. And he's so cheap right now. Green light on Cam Akers. Get him. You can't regret it because what are you giving up? What are you losing if you, if you trade for him? So that, that's yeah. my green light. No, that's that's actually you know what I, I'm gonna agree with you on that one because <clears throat> although there's there is some risk involved in this one, 
but he could end up being a league winner because the Rams offense have not really been themselves <laughs> through the first four games. Right. They're kind of hot and cold and it's surprising and been a little frustrating to watch Matthew Stafford operate in this offense. And uh, we know that's not who they are. So it's only a matter of time before they correct it. And I think they need to have the one in that backfield to really set the tone. Uh, and last year we saw it was, you know, um, Henderson who was able to do that. Now, Henderson has not been as good as we've seen uh, recently, and he's easily replaceable. Cam Akers, they drafted this guy to be the guy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if he can turn it on and this offense is going to correct itself, which will, you know, I think it's going to start with the passing game, which will open things up in the rushing lanes. And I think uh, it's a good call here. Um, to me, I think it still could possibly be a coin flip between the two. But um, if Cam Akers catches fire, they'll go with the hot hand. And, uh, you know, that he could absolutely be a, a league winner, um, you know, toward the end of the season. All right, Nate, let's finish yeah. the show. Out. Do you have a bright green full systems go? I do. I, yeah, I do. And it's actually, you know, I, I like to try not to overreact to big games. But, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do that. <laughs> OK, <laughs> so yeah. so TJ Hawkinson. He's yeah. off, to, off to a slow start his first three weeks. Now, I am going to right away preface this by saying, although his, his insane week four game, which was eight catches, 179 yards, and two touchdowns, came without Amon Ross St. Brown and DeAndre Swift on the field, Hawkinson's snap percentage remained the same. He's played 85% of the Lions' offensive snaps this season. You know, he has the second most targets on the team with 30, just behind Amon Ross St. Brown. Mm -hmm. Now he's had this type of game that I know he's capable of. I, we've seen these big games from, from Hawkinson before. Uh, there's no way golf, uh, golf, you know, doesn't look his way a bit more moving forward. Now, mm -hmm. I, ironically, I looked this up too, is uh, Jared Goff had his best statistical game this past week since week 11 of the 2018 season with the Rams. Yeah. When he played against the Chiefs, he threw for 413 yards and four touchdowns. Um, but again, he he the last time he had a game like that, this time he did it without his top wide receiver and top pass catching back. The mm -hmm. Lions offense leads the NFL with 140 points scored. The Kansas City Chiefs are second with 129. Now Correct me if I'm wrong, but points are good for fantasy football, right? Yes, they are. Okay. So Hawkinson is a tight end. In points, we typically rely on uh, you know touchdowns and scoring for the tight end position. I think that Hawkinson, I already had him ranked as a top five guy heading into this season. He mm -hmm. did get off to a slow start, but I think he did need the absence of Amon Ross St. Brown and DeAndre Swift to rekindle that flame he had with Jared Goff. And, uh, you know, I think for me, uh, you know, we're not going to see 179 in, in two touchdowns every week, obviously, but his target share will certainly increase going forward, which is a good thing to have. Um, you know, people might have already, you know, dropped him out of frustration after the first three weeks. So he might even be available 
to to get um, off waivers. So to me, he's a green light. It was worth the wait if you held on to him. Be happy about that. Play him every week. Be confident in it because the Lions' offense are just they're just hitting on all cylinders, and they don't even need everyone, you know, every weapon on the on the on the team to be on the field for for them to go off. So it's it's a good thing to see T.J. Hawkinson green light. Yeah, you know what it takes to to be that guy who steps up. Your team's without DeAndre Swift. You're you're without Amon Ross, St. Brown, DJ Sharks out of the game mm. to to step up like Hawkinson did. That takes grit, and I'm sure Dan Campbell is super pleased with, right. with Hawkinson for his grit to get That's out there right. and put up that put up that performance uh, the way that they did. Um, before we get out of here, I'm going to do one one quick bonus round. This sure. is a red, yellow, green on the same team. All right, okay, red, yellow, green on the same team. Red Deontay Johnson, yellow Chase Claypool, green Pickens and Firemuth. Yes, I love it. That's it going it. forward. That's all you need to know. Beautiful. From their expectations, down on Deontay Johnson, Claypool's going to be what he is. Those two young guys, Firemuth and Pickens, on the way up. That's going to close it out for our show tonight. We will see you guys next week. Stay tilted. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Fantasy Tilt Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Tilt Pod. Help support the show by subscribing and please leave us a review on iTunes.